power on. Greetings and salutations. I'm Associate Bob. We met before, ever so briefly. I was groveling uh, in fear at the time. You got the salt over there, Bob? Um, salt is not good for you, Hansen, is it Sir John Spartan, tell me. What do you think of San Angeles 2032? Well, considering the way things were going when I went in, I thought the future would be a riding cesspool. <laughs> oh, you weren't here when the real disturbances began. Civilization tried to destroy itself. The city degenerated into a total fear zone. The citizenry cocooning in their homes, afraid to go out. People just wanted the madness over. So when I saw the chance to make things right, I seized it. If I had not, the radiance of San Angeles would not be here. Just your rotting cesspool of hate and suffering. Which would you prefer? Maybe you can book me a flight out of here when the sermon's over. John Spartan, for your crimes, you would surely have died in jail before now. Even you must appreciate the persuasively tranquil humanity of the cryo prison system. I don't want to spoil your dinner, pal. But my cryo sentence was no sweet lullaby. I had feelings and I had thoughts. How about a 36-year nightmare about people caught in a burning building? You would awake. I don't think so. I do think so. And my wife beating her fist against a block of ice that used to be her husband. Then you were nice enough to wake me up and let me know everything that meant something in my life is gone. It would have been more humane to stake me down and leave me to the fucking crows. What would you say if I called you a brutish fossil, symbolic of a decayed era, gratefully forgotten? I don't know. Thanks. Accessing historical database. Year 2020. The tech giants become aware of the greatest threat to their corporatist domination. An obscure science and tech podcast becomes a major factor in a peaceful open source revolt against the military Silicon Valley industrial complex. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants tried to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. The double hour of power coming to you live. Well, not exactly live. It's, it's pre-recorded, right? But it kind of gets recorded live. Anyway, it is Sovereign Tech coming to you from Ice Planet Zero. Kind of feels like Ice Planet Zero today. Got a nice little cold front coming in. But boy, I will take the break because sometimes in the studio, in BDSM Studio 3, baby, it gets hot. 
Well, frankly, for a lot of reasons, because <laughs> sometimes whew, all kinds of things are going on. Um, but, <laughs> and you never know who shows up. But anyway, uh, this week it is I, it is me alone, though. Uh, I think we're planning on the next couple episodes somewhere in there to have, of course, the lovely and wonderful and absolutely brilliant scientist and engineer that is Ellen Sovereign on the show again. Got a lot of subjects to cover, including BCI. Yes, there was that demo done with pigs by Elon Musk. And of course, I am going to bring on some of the most brilliant minds in the world to talk about it. We'll get into that in future episodes of Sovereign Tech. But this week, we have so much to get into. There's just no way. Everything that I have in the show notes, it's just, it's impossible, or not the show notes that you see, but the show notes in front of me. It's absolutely impossible that I'd be able to get to it all. I mean, there's just, there's no way. So I don't want to preview too much because I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to squeeze in and what I can't, but we're going to go forward with it anyway. And of course, the golden saying, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, Dr. Brian Sovereign here for you as he is every week. And uh, wow, um, <laughs> some uh, some surprises for sure. Uh, things that we did not see coming, and in fact, we're we're, we're gonna we got to talk about that uh, when we get into some of these subjects. But one thing, so there's a product we're going to talk about here in the opening, which frankly could be the centerpiece of the entire show. And as far as I can tell, nobody saw it coming. Which you got to give a company credit credit for that, but opening it up. Um, this is something that people have known was on the way for a very, very long time. And it's very rare. It's been a long time, even though I am an expert with the, uh, shall we say the Android operating system. Uh, I mean, I've literally written and, uh, in fact, working on the next edition, but I've literally written the security manual for Android, uh, the operating system. So, and for smartphones more in particular, uh, of course, which you can find at darkandroid.info, but Anyway, so, you know, I, I know what I'm getting into here when I talk about this, but even so, I rarely find it, uh, I'm rarely inspired to discuss a new smartphone. Like, I, I frankly couldn't care less what horseshit Samsung is coming out, or should I say Samsung is coming out with this year. The Galaxy S20D, I don't know, whatever. It, it just, it does not, it doesn't matter. They're, they're not just boring, uh, they're, they're pointless. And, and I mean, it, it's such a, well, anyway, we, we don't have to get into the economics around that and, and the, the, you know, the very clear, uh, money grab with very little value, uh, situation that, that the galaxy line finds itself in, or of course, even the horror story of the galaxy fold. In fact, bringing up the galaxy fold kind of lends nicely into what I want to open up talking about. And that was the surprise, not surprise announcement as in, we didn't know this was coming. We well knew for frankly years that this was on its way, but that it was finally going to end up being released. That being the Microsoft surface duo. Now the surface duo, of course, Microsoft surface line is a line of hardware that has had varying degrees, but overall success. Um, I mean, right from, you know, from the laptop to the surface pro and so on. I mean, this is a hardware line that a lot of people really count on that intrigues, um, a lot of different market sectors. And I understand why. And of course, I mean, and, and you know, they kind of fit into that aspirational, uh, line, much like Apple's products do. And the surface duo is no different, but it is different in the fact 
that it is a dual screen phone. Granted, it's not the first one. Samsung's kind of done it. LG has kind of done it and so on. But this is one, you know, that, that makes for an interesting entry. And it really came out of nowhere, middle of August, uh, the announcement that it was going to end up getting released um, in September, I think. I think September 10th uh, is going to be the official release. And the starting price is around $1,400. That price goes up. Not, not too much significantly, but it goes up significantly, say, the more onboard storage that you want to go with. And really, those are the only two options. Um, so it's coming out September 10th. You can pre-order it now. There is a link in the show notes where you can find that. Uh, I've read some of the, you know, pre-reviews, you know, people that have gotten uh, demo handsets. And I mean, what a lot of people are talking about is just how thin this thing is. But there's a bigger, I'm going to, I want to talk about the specs. Again, it's not the first dual screen phone, but I think it might be the first one that is a genuine success and that people really talk about. I mean, it's got me talking about it partly because, well, of what the reasons that we'll get into why this is important for Microsoft. Okay. But let's talk about the specs before we get into more of the, uh, shall we say the philosophy and necessities around this, um, Snapdragon 855. Basically what that means is, I mean, that that's, that's a fine processor. Basically that means this thing won't have 5g in my opinion. Good. <laughs> that's a plus. Uh, so, you know, I, I know I had recently said, um, boy, it was a couple episodes ago on sovereign tech. I want to say it was episode three eighty six. I think it was t- actually titled the last phone, um, where, and that was before, Microsoft had announced the full specs and release of the Surface Duo. But I had said, basically, you know, the the Google Pixel 4a, that's the last phone that I would ever recommend or buy because, you know, I do I am not interested in the 5G future whatsoever. Um, This the Surface Duo, if you wanted to go this direction, I wouldn't have any real trouble recommending this again. I'll explain why I know what you're saying. (gasps) Brian's recommending Microsoft. Let's talk about it. Okay. And I mean, this might not be the first time in this episode that I end up uh, recommending Microsoft. Okay. But let's, let's talk about it. So, okay. So you got the Snapdragon 855. Again, the main takeaway from that finds powerful, no 5g. Again, I think that's a good thing. Six gig of Ram. That's actually comparable to the Google pixel 4a. That's fine. That's, that's well above what any phone should really need, even though certainly, um, app developers and Google is the operating system developer. Uh, find ways to make you need that. Thus, you know, you have to buy into the cycle, but anyway, uh, 128 gig and 256 gig storage configurations. And that's where the price, you know, kind of changes started off, starts off at 1400, then goes up as you buy into the 256, uh, gig, uh, you know, storage option, which 128 gig is going to do you fine. But I really do understand why they're offering a 256 gig option. Um, and well, again, we will, we will talk about that. Um, I don't believe that it has a micro SD card slot. So that 256 gig is what you get, but understand that this device while consume, while certainly Microsoft is offering it to consumers, a big play that they're going here for is, is enterprise, right? Which of course is Microsoft still to this day, their bread and butter, um, and to not have a micro SD card allows for a lot, shall we say a lot more security plays for the platform. So 
them not wanting a micro SD card on it, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think that's also somewhat similar to the reasons that Google doesn't include a micro SD card slot on their Nexus phones back in the day or their pixel line now is because it's just one more vector. It's, you know, it's another attack vector. Now I like my phones having a micro SD card slot and Google has uh, taken great strides to make a micro SD card uh, more secure storage on the Android platform. But is it easier to call that security and, you know, and to say, Hey, no, we've got this wrapped up and whatever, if it's all on board and there's no expansion option. Yeah, of course. And granted you still arguably could go with an expansion option. If, uh, you used, you know, like a USB C, uh, uh, you know, flash drive of some type and just plugged it in at the bottom. I mean, there, there's certainly options there and this stuff, this does have USB C. I mean, that's kind of a, a no brainer, um, at this stage, but anyway, um, so it, the single screen, and you can fold this in different ways. All right. Um, to where, you know, you're only seeing one screen or you can have it folded open, you know, like a book, um, single screen, it's only 5.6 inches, uh, and it's a four by three aspect ratio and then open totally. It's, it's a 8.1 inches with a three by two aspect ratio. Now that three by two aspect ratio is an important one, obviously with the four by three that lets you know, sort of the shape of this thing is that it's closer to like, say the, uh, the Blackberry passport. If you remember that where it's a wider option instead of like the more candy bar esque um, nature of most smartphones today, you know, where they have like the 21 by nine aspect ratio and whatever. But the, th the important thing here, and I'm sure this is exactly what Microsoft was, was going for is the three by two aspect ratio, which three by two, if you remember is what a lot of laptops, including Chromebooks, uh, in fact, some of Google's own Chromebooks and so on was go we're going towards because if the idea is, is that you're looking at websites, three by two is the most, is the most optimal aspect ratio for websites, basically for, in, you know, interacting with the World Wide web. So it makes sense that they wanted to go three by two and not full on widescreen, right? Um, do they, you know, is this going to be a problem for watching movies and all this stuff? Yeah, I guess it's going to make some black bar situation somewhere. But again, Microsoft's interest here is about productivity. The, the, the theme of this device is productivity and that's key, but let's keep talking about it a little bit. It's going to have Bluetooth 5.0. I mean, we, we could keep going down the, you know, the whole list here um, of what's available on it. It does have a mono speaker. It is not like the really nice stereo speakers, like say HTC used to put in and so on, but you know, that, that does the job does have a fingerprint uh, scanner. And the battery is a three, 3,577 milliampere battery. Uh, it's supposed to be able to get you through the day, um, on standby. I guess it can do up to 10 days. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you can use the surface pen with it, but in that price tag of 1400, the surface pen is not included, but it is optimized for use with the surface pen, which of course, what does that cost? I don't know, 50, hundred bucks, somewhere around there. Uh, that is designed for use with other surface devices. Of course, that only makes sense. Weighs 250 grams. So it's pretty light. Um, I've seen some, uh, some, again, some of these pre-reviews where people were putting it into their pocket. Um, it's slightly larger than your latest galaxy, whatever the fuck. Uh, and so it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to put into your pocket. Um, but again, we need to talk about, so we've got all of that out of the way as far as, you know, the specs, um, it's a fine phone spec wise, 
you know, not, not like the biggest powerhouse out there, but that's pretty damn good. Now you got to understand what this is about. And frankly, I think this is a genius move on Microsoft's part. I don't think they planned this ahead of time, but it is, it is a natural progression, frankly, of the entire surface hardware line. Meaning that surface has always been getting you used to, you know, this foldable, uh, you know, or, you know, multifunction, um, multi-aspect ratio foldable device, right? The original surface surface pro, um, that was getting you used to using windows, more like a tablet, getting you, you know, used to using a touchscreen and so on, maybe even using the surface pen, etc. Um, understand that Bill Gates himself over a decade ago was saying that handwriting was the next wave in, you know, in computing in general. So, you know, using a stylus, using a pen, uh, was, is something that Microsoft has very clearly had their eye on for much longer than any other company has implemented such a thing. Minus, you know, like the little stylus shirt that, a, that Palm would have or whatever, but you get my point. Um, this, so, you know, the surface line culminates in a device like this. And we, you've got to understand that as we've been saying, I mean, I think, you know, cause I saw like a lot of in the comments section and a bunch of different stories about the surface duo. Uh, you have a lot of Microsoft, uh, you know, the, the Microsoft faithful diehards, we'll call them that who, you know, they, they, they're wanting, Hey, can we eventually get this with windows on it? I don't. And, and there were a lot of them asking for that. And I'm sure at some point that was even a consideration. And certainly when windows 10, uh, you know, mobile was still being worked on and, um, I forget the feature that they had where you could like, you know, port out, uh, to, to a full screen and to a keyboard and mouse and everything. And, and I mean, I was, uh, uh, very bullish on that. I thought that that was a, that was a brilliant idea and a brilliant move. Um, I don't think that Microsoft is looking to put windows 10 on a surface duo. Eventually, I think that this points at an overall strategy for Microsoft right? It's important to understand that again, where Microsoft seems to make, you know, by the numbers that we can look where Microsoft seems to make the bulk of its money is with what used to be called an office 365 account. Right. And I have said for years on this show that that is a no brainer deal. I mean, the value, especially compared to what you used to pay for just offline full on versions of, of office of Microsoft office paying the $10 a month or what have you, I mean, is a steal. And you really do, especially before OneDrive gate, you got tremendous value out of that. And in many ways you still do. Now, of course that got rebranded and we talked about this and this points at part of the theory when this rebranded happened. And I was even talking about it years before that, but when it rebranded earlier this year to Microsoft 365 to that account, um, notice it's not windows 365. You know, it's not Office 365 anymore either, but it's also not Windows 365. It's Microsoft 365. Now, the idea that Microsoft has been converting to services, I mean, you know, a lot of people have realized that. It's been announced in many ways, um, you know, whether directly or not. But this company knows that Windows is not, has to know it's Windows is not its future. I mean, the bad press around Windows itself right now is, I mean, you know, yeah, I get it. The diehards are out there and everything, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's reaching a breaking point 
to the point that you have commentators well beyond me who are saying, Hey, just go out and buy a Chromebook. Just go out and buy this. Just, you know, get, or, you know, start learning Linux now, like just get off of windows. I mean, there are so many, so many tech podcasters, commentators, and journalists, you know, making that claim. However, even while I have said such things, I've said, look, you're never going to get away from Microsoft Word. There are so many aspects within the enterprise space that you're never going to get away from with Microsoft. Uh, that, I mean, or even, you know, Edge. I mean, we're going to talk about Firefox here in a little bit and what Mozilla is up to, and it's not good. Um, I've had no problem in the past recommending, you know, just on, on a matter of software and account minimalism. You know, if you use Windows, fine, use Edge. You know, because it's already installed. And because if you install another web browser, again, that becomes another attack vector. And another account that you have to make, or often that you have to make, not all web browsers require that, but it's going to be, you know, you're just, you're installing another attack vector. And Microsoft Edge, I mean, I've praised its security for some time. And its implementation with Credge has been pretty solid. And its availability on iOS and Android and upcoming on Linux even, I mean, there's an argument to be made for its use. And again, that argument could be even stronger when we talk about Mozilla here in a few minutes. Point being is that having that Microsoft account is a very attractive option and is a full services option right at the get-go. That doesn't really require Windows to do much of anything. I mean, the only thing in my, to, right now, the only thing that might, that Windows, like the great argument for it, again, would maybe be Photoshop, right? Uh, or, you know, Microsoft Word and so on. Even then, you know, you could run that on Apple or whatever. And, and I mean, the time has to be coming where Office ends up on Linux. And of course, you can run a lot Office online, you know, right into a web browser on Linux, no problem. Um, but maybe that doesn't even have to happen, okay? Because this device, I mean, let, let, let's get down to it. This device, the Surface Duo, um, I'd love to get my hands on one. Um, I, you know, I mean, certainly that's a, that's a high price tag, much more than I usually would ever pay for a phone, but I'd love to get my hands on one to do for a review, but I get it is that this is that productivity device, especially with USB-C where, you know, you could still do this, you know, the whole business where you port it out to, um, to where, you know, you connect it to a, I mean, as Bluetooth 5.0 as well, where you connect it to uh, a monitor and then you connect it to, you know, keyboard and mouse. And there you have your productivity suite, right? It's an all-in-one device that does run. I mean, it's it's abundantly clear with, uh, you know, connect to PC and a lot of other apps and features that Microsoft has been working on. They are doubling down on Android. They're even porting, um, you know, the, the whole security suite over to uh, to, to Android Microsoft security is an app that's going to be available in the enterprise space. And that app's only going to work even better. Again, that, that adds into more of that security conversation around why there wouldn't be a micro SD card on this and so on. Um, so, I mean, they're pushing hard with Android and I think this is, and to get to my point, I think this is the absolute right move for Microsoft to do transition away from windows and just, and, and in many ways, sure, it's going to be on Android, but ultimately it's what they were trying to do with windows 10 mobile. And now it's just a reality and it's, it's a synergy of software and hardware. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting that you have, 
and maybe this says something to this, that you had Microsoft stores shutting down. Now, you could argue that Microsoft stores were largely shut down. There's only, what, three or four left. Uh, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, that they are shutting down because of COVID. You know, a lot of companies are using that argument, including Mozilla. I don't, I don't really buy that. Okay. Makes for a good excuse. I'm sure it sounds good to investors. I don't necessarily buy that. What I could believe more, just like the reason why did Mixer shut down? Because Microsoft, I think, is trying to make their acquisition more attractive, even though there's a lot of challenges around this. And at some point we have to have the conversation around TikTok, right? The video platform. Um, I think Microsoft was really, I think they expect the, the TikTok deal to go through and they don't need competing video services, right? If anything, they could just use all the technology that they acquired with Mixer and make TikTok a stronger video platform, right? So now we're starting to see kind of the picture is that, oh, oh, Microsoft has been trying to acquire U.S. operations at least, at least for, for TikTok. So that's why they shut Mixer down. Well, here's the rub. I think that the reason that they shut down Microsoft stores is because eventually Microsoft plans on their surface line. And I'm just theorizing. And again, I think it's the right move for them that they, they plan on their smartphone business. Okay. As in the surface duo running Android being their future. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, so you could get into the argument, wait a minute, what about, you know, Microsoft making money off of gaming and all this? Sure, they do. But then what are they hooking people into with gaming, right? Like Windows doesn't have to be the gaming platform anymore because they have xCloud, which works on Android, by the way. And I mean, they're, they're already hooking everybody into another no-brainer deal. And we've talked about this. Um, and there's some concerns to be had about, you know, kind of shovelware getting put on there to make it a more attractive proposition, i.e. Battletoads. Okay. But, you know, with, with you know, Xbox Game Pass for PC, which I think they even did. I talk about this last time where apparently they're dropping the name Xbox from that. Anyway, that, that, that doesn't really matter, but you have X cloud and game pass, which could eventually become one service. And then really you do have gaming available on the surface duo. You know, you just have to connect your, your peripherals. In fact, I, Oh man, what's the game? Hypnospace something. It's for the switch. I was in awe of this This is total side note. We'll keep talking about this total side note, but the game for Nintendo switch is allowing for connecting a keyboard and mouse boy, that, that, that is a whole other, we should save that for gaming grid. Cause I have other stuff I want to talk about during gaming grid. Anyway, bottom line being is that even if something doesn't look like it's designed to have a keyboard and mouse connected to it for some gaming, it could be that and surface Duo, I surface duo. I think that could end up happening. I see this device as the culmination and the preview of the future of what's going on with Microsoft. And like I said, it's really, in my opinion, it's the best thing that they can do because they have to get away from the negative press around windows. There's not a lot of negative press around office or anything like that anymore. I mean, there's not, I mean, everybody's praising game pass. Everybody's, you know, X cloud is looking very interesting. There's lots of great stuff happening in those directions. Okay. Where that, where Microsoft is getting negative press is absolutely around windows. They've got it. They've just got to get away from that. The surface duo is their jumping off point. And I, I get the sense that that, I mean, that we are, you are looking at the future right there and it makes sense. And I think that they could pull it off in a couple of years. This could be really, really interesting. What's going on with the surface duo. My biggest concern in question, and 
Again, the argument around this being centered on security as well as productivity. My biggest concern is how quickly will Microsoft issue Android updates? You know, as security updates as well as operating system updates. How long will they support it with these very premium devices? They are going to have to match just about uh, Google's release cycle. They're going to have to match that if they want to be taken seriously in the Android ecosystem and if they want to be taken seriously as far as security goes. Okay, they've got to do as good as Apple does and as well as Google does with Android overall. And it's easier for Microsoft because basically they just have to follow, uh, you know, Google's uh, uh, development release cycle as far as Android goes. And again, the, the reviews mainly or the pre-reviews that I have that I've mainly seen, which I mean, that that's kind of where the word preview comes from. But anyway, <laughs> that I've mainly seen uh, have been very positive. Like, no, yeah, this is this is a brilliant device. This is a device that has a place. Um, and again, I think as far as like, how does Microsoft, you know, garner in profitability and so on? Well, I mean, this is, this is a direction to, to go, to keep it coming in and it's playing on Microsoft's strengths. And again, this can also be a gaming device in the future. It really could. When you get into X cloud and game pass and all that, I mean, it's just, yeah, absolutely. So even if you're wondering about that, and I mean, there's other issues with, with PC gaming, some of which actually Rob was sharing me in on some of this, uh, my co-host, which uh, we got some episodes of TIE Fighter Renegades coming, folks, don't you worry. Um, but uh, like, I mean, the, the prices for, you know, the new series of NVIDIA cards, I mean, this is getting, this is getting crazy. And when you can, again, you know, pay for basically, a, and I'm not saying I don't even really like subscription services. I don't. You know that if you've listened to Sovereign Tech for a while, I, I am not a fan of this sort of thing. Okay. Even if there are deals out there that just make all the sense in the world, like why wouldn't you pay for that? Okay. Um, but I mean, when it, when it gets to the point where, you know, you're spending thousands, not, not for an entire gaming PC, but when you're spending thousands just for your video card, people aren't going to put up with that. You know, and when they can get AAA games on their Surface Duo or whatever, I mean, you better believe they're going to jump on it. So anyway, this is really, really interesting stuff with the Surface Duo. It's definitely a, no pun intended, game-changing device that I think was worthwhile us exploring a little bit. Something else that's game-changing, and then I want to get into that product that I don't think anybody saw coming. In fact, I might even switch gears a little bit and make that uh, basically our, I might even make that our main story. Um, but audible out of nowhere. Now we spent some time, I think it was episode, a couple episodes ago. Uh, we spent some time talking about how audible was planning on bringing in podcasts. Uh, in fact, they sent an offer out to this show to sovereign tech saying, Hey, we'd like to have you on our platform for podcasts and everything. And I was debating, I don't know what this is going to look like when pod, I mean, podcasting on audible, as I had said at that time, talk about no brainers is an absolute no brainer. I mean, because it's a built in audience, 50 million, millions and millions of people who are just hungry for podcast esque content. Right. And a lot of audible originals, as Ellen said, are basically podcasts in themselves. Anyway, you know, they're barely an hour long or a little bit over an hour. Um, the other day, it's about a week ago as of when this is going to get released, and this is getting released on August 31st, 2020. The other day, uh, about like I said, about a week ago, I got an email 
that's, or it wasn't even the email. Actually, it was a notification within the app for something called Audible Premium Plus. And what this is, and they just upgraded every every account that whether it's you have a gold Audible account or a platinum Audible account, they updated it to where it has now it's Premium Plus. And what this means is is that there are I want to say thousands of audiobooks and Audible originals, and in the marketing material, in the press material, it did say podcasts as well, which. You know, I've looked for Sovereign Tech at this stage. It hasn't come out yet. I know I was one of the first podcasts, you know, to get that email to, you know, submit your podcast for uh, for being included in Audible when it happens. But the podcast part doesn't seem to be central, even though, again, it is in the press kit. Uh, but now, yes, absolutely. You c- there are books that normally you'd have to hash out a credit for that you can get, uh, you can listen to for free now. And you you don't just stream them. Because the way the the way the press materials read, it sounded like you 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 more or less you, you had to, you, that you were going to stream them. But no, it downloads it totally offline. Because if it was streaming, it wouldn't be as attractive, right? I mean, part of what's attractive about an Audible account is that you download the book, and whether you have a connection or not, you know, away it plays. And that really that is a very handy thing. So if it was only going to allow me to stream some of these, you know, uh, books, audiobooks available for free. That wouldn't have been as interesting, even though really anything you add on to an Audible account at present pricing and at, based on what is a present offering is really just is gravy. You know, I mean, it's already well worth the money. Anything you add on is just, you know, icing on the cake, as it were, or again, gravy. Um, but no, it, it it acts like, you know, whatever you uh, whatever is available. And it's not just Audible original books either. Um, there are books and I, I don't know what the criteria is. I've tried to find answers on this. There aren't any, uh, I don't know if it's something where like with Netflix or, you know, Hulu, I don't know, whatever, any of those streaming services, none of which I buy. Um, I don't know if it's like where there is a specific window where these audiobooks are available for free. And then there's a time where they get taken away. But basically when you click on them, they get added to your library as if it was a book that you bought or spent a credit on. Um, the, this is a, a huge deal because this is turning audible very much into, of course, you know, sort of what it could only be compared to before, or the only one that could really, you know, call it, you know, it's the, and I hate using these kinds of phrases, but fine, we're going to run with it. It is the Netflix for audiobooks. It has literally become that now. Uh, and to some degree, even better, though, I know you can download videos onto your device from Netflix. Um, I, I like this. I'm glad that it's an option. Admittedly, you could kind of already do this. A lot of people don't know, and, but, but there's, and there's a couple other points to get into with this that I want to talk about. Um, a lot of people don't realize that as long as it's a book, that you bought within the last year, as in the last 365 days, you can exchange an unlimited amount of books for any reason whatsoever. Uh, There's like a self-service version to it where you get your credit back or you get your refund or whatever. Um, But even after like you've returned so many and the self-service aspect of it stops, all you have to do is contact customer service at Audible. And every single time, as long as it's, you know, not more than a year old in your library, um, 
you can exchange your book for anything. So ultimately, like you could listen to as many books as you wanted on one credit, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you really wanted to. So this is already sort of possible. Okay. Just, you'd be kind of scheming in doing so. Um, now I wouldn't recommend doing that where you, you know, basically you'd, you'd get as, uh, you just keep, you know, refunding the one credit over and over again, because admittedly there are a lot of books that I want audiobooks that I want to keep for all time. Um, I keep my entire star Wars, uh, collection on audible. Um, I, there are quite a few books that I regularly want to keep for reference material. Uh, for example, like virus of the mind, I'm, I would never exchange that book because that's a, a, it's a short book, but B it's one that I would listen to over and over again, because it's material that I think is so important to navigating the world, not just the modern world, any version of the world, um, that that's a book that I constantly go back to, you know, and re-listen to. And there are other books like that. There are many, but there, but there are a few that I always have on hand and that any new device I get, I download instantly and keep them in my audible app ready to go. So, you know, there are books that you want to hold on to in my opinion for all time, or at least I hope there are. Um, but anyway, so, you know, and, and speaking to that, okay. Like I said earlier, I don't like subscription services. I mean, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't dig them at all. Um, part of the attraction with audible and understand I have had audible, my Audible account is older than Amazon's acquisition of it. Um, part of the reason I like Audible is because you own the content, even, even when it gets uh, removed from the Audible store, it is still available to you in your library. It's still on the servers. Okay. For example, uh, actually, the day after this episode gets released, there are, and this probably has to do with Apple coming out with the foundation series and everything, which I don't have a whole lot of hope for, but we'll see. Um, there is a re-release of a few Isaac Asimov classics. Uh, the entire Galactic Empire trilogy is getting re-released and re-read. Uh, the End of Eternity, which some people argue is Asimov's greatest book, is also getting a new narration and newly released on September 1st, 2020. Now there has been a version of edge of eternity available and it's a good one available on, uh, on audible for years. I mean, for as long as audibles basically existed, I think that it's been on there and that if you go to look it up now on audible.com or in the audible store, that original version of end of eternity is no longer there, but I have it. And I can delete it, re-download it, delete it, re-download it over and over again. But if I, you know, try to find it in the store, it doesn't exist anymore. Why? Because they want you to buy the new version or they want to give you the new version. In fact, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm a little bit peeved about the matter because, okay, if this one's not, not technically available, I mean, it is technically available to me all the time because I got it with my credits. Could you upgrade me to the new version, please? <laughs> you know, I, I think that just, that'd be nice. Maybe I'll contact customer service about that. We'll see. But anyway, point being is that when I lay down a credit, you know, or the money on an audiobook and audible, it is mine and it is mine for as much as these services allow for all time. I like that. It makes audible, even though it is technically a subscription as in, I pay a certain amount every month, right. To get those credits. Uh, 
it is a hybrid model of sorts where sure you pay that set, set amount, but you own whatever you grab with that set amount. And it doesn't disappear like, you know, movies and series do on Netflix uh, and so on. In fact, I know some Sovereign Tech listeners, they were talking about in the Sovereign Tech Telegram group. Good luck finding a good version of, uh, you know, the Stargate franchise like SG-1 and Atlantis and so on um, on any streaming service that that's of any decent quality or even available. Like, I mean, you know, these things just keep changing hands and disappear and it's a pain in the ass. It makes a great argument for why perhaps you'd want to own discs. Again, that also makes a great argument for why you would want to own as much as you can books within audible. Right? So while I think that the premium plus is, I mean, it's only, it's a bonus and, and a fine one. It's not something I still would not rely on it. And if audible ever gets to the point where the credit system goes away, color me disappointed because I guess I'm just, I'm just hardwired that way. I don't know if I'm old school I'm not old. I mean, I'm 39, but you know, I'm not that old. Uh, but I, I like to own my stuff. Okay. I know there's a lot of people that have been really become ensnared and entrapped in subscription models that they'll pay into perpetuity. And boy, I could get into a big conversation around that <laughs> because I think subscription, I, you know, what? I'm all right. I'm going to, I'm just going to hint at it. If you want me to talk about it more, you ask me the question, you email me questions at sovereigntech.com. I think subscription models basically pacify they pacify change in the world. And I mean, real change that benefits the individual. They, I, I am willing to go that far to say that it pacifies. Anyway, that, that, there we go. You want to hear more about it? You got to, you, you know, if you're not interested in me talking about that, um, fine. You know, then, then, then you're not, because I know how many people get ticked off when I say that, well, you know, Netflix users are communists. People get livid when I say that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, it's an I mean, do you realize how outrageous it is that to be criticized or to, to criticize people who have a Netflix account, that that is somehow a damnable offense? It's like it's as if I insulted Christ somehow, that that's the strong reaction that I get out of people. Folks, when you have a strong reaction like that, you need to pause, reflect, and look back and say, am I a member of some kind of cult? That's all I'm going to say on it. Anyway, so besides people being pacified by subscription services, let's move. <laughs> I don't, I'm not incendiary on purpose. This is the stuff that runs through my head. But anyway, um, this is very, this is a very interesting move on, on Amazon's part. I could see them and I don't want it to be this way. I could see them moving towards a more truly Netflix style subscription service where, because right now, if you stop paying for your audible account, all the books that you've bought over the time that you've had an audible account, you still get to access them through the audible app. Right now, I mean, yes, we can solve all this by using open audible and all that, uh, you know, on, on a windows machine or whatever. Uh, but anyway, we're not going there, but, but that's why, you know, it, it, it's having an audible account. Isn't a tough pill to swallow because when you own it, you own it. Even if you're not paying into the subscription, even if you're not paying into audible anymore, you own it. That is not true with a premium plus account. And again, if things are going to shift towards where it is, everything is premium plus. And, you know, when, when you stop paying for Audible, 
you no longer get access to those books. Uh, again, I mean, that that's, that's when I, you know, I can no longer, you know, use audible comfortably to where I feel, you know, okay with parting with my money. So anyway, we'll see where that ends up going. And also I didn't, I want to get into this because it, they are pushing the narrative of, and the verbiage of podcasts really hard with the audible premium plus subscription. I am starting to wonder, and I, and I theorize that this might be true, that you have to be a paying audible customer to access podcasts on audible, including podcasts like say sovereign tech. Now, of course you can get them for free with any other podcast app. So it's not, you know, there's not a big deal there, but some kind of power play to where it funds podcasters could get taken advantage of through this premium plus subscription as it were. Um, and I was a little worried about that, but we'll see what ends up happening as far as that goes. Certainly something we're keeping an eye on, but I'm just paying attention to that finer point. And, you know, I, I've got two other things I want to get into for the foreplay where we talk about the little stories, but these haven't been little stories. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump my main story that I had lined up and we're going to get into some trouble <laughs> in Silicon Valley. We're going to talk more Amazon and we're going to talk some Mozilla during our main story segment. I'll be right back with some more Woo! Sovereign Tech. Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. The main story. Woo! So it is time for the main story. And originally, I was going to, there is a tremendous story in The Guardian called The Case for Making Low Tech, quote unquote, dumb cities instead of, quote, smart ones. Um, I'm going to save that. That needs to be explored. That needs to be discussed. And this is a show uniquely positioned, I think, to talk about it from a very broad, dare I even say, holistic perspective. So that is coming. Don't worry. I mean, this is one of the most important stories I've heard in a while. It's also very evergreen. So something, but something else, and this speaks to what originally I was going to get into during the foreplay in the opening. Um, this is the product we didn't see coming. And I want to start by saying kudos, frankly, to Amazon for, and I don't do that often, right? We coined the term, the Amazon world domination tour on the show. 
we we are very critical of Amazon here, aren't we? Well, this is going to be no different. But again, opening it up, uh, kudos to them for Amazon for being able to keep a new product, not necessarily a new product category, kind of like the Echo was, but a new product from getting leaked in any way and anybody talking about it. Now, I suppose some might argue that Amazon making a fitness tracker, which is what they has, they have done. It's called the Amazon Halo. I suppose some would say that, well, nobody leaked it because who cares? There's tons of fitness trackers. You know, they're, they're, they're abundant and low value or something like that. They're not even worth leaking. Well, I can tell you for one thing, that's not true because you have no idea. I mean, I have like the, the me band four. There are people, there are whole stories that get a lot of clicks that are all just about, oh, rumor mill around the Mi Band 5, you know, from, from, uh, from Xiaomi and so on. So, no, people get very excited about these sorts of things, amazingly. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a very unique feature to, and, and I think unique is absolutely the right term, not rare, unique. There is a unique feature. That comes with the Amazon Halo, which we are going to talk about. Well, but we'll break it down a little bit at first. And there is an overall case to be made here. Uh, but are we going to be critical of it? Well, let the cat out, or you know, cart before the horse, or pick your pick your term, pick your uh, <laughs> your old adage. I don't know. Yes, at the onset, we're going to be very critical of this. There are massive problems and implications to get into here. Let's talk about it. So, in fact, I've got the link in the show notes. I have a few links in the show notes that I think are worthwhile looking at. But this is from Business Insider. Amazon is taking on Apple and Fitbit with a smart wristband and an app that tracks your sleep, judges the emotion in your voice, and scans your body to calculate body fat. Woo! Now, you know, just those features in the headline. Minus the, uh, the, the, the big one there. Judges the emotion in your voice. Nothing really new, right? And one could easily argue, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that Amazon is that big. Okay. And we're going to talk about, because I think a, a look at a lot of Amazon's recent partnerships and new developments make for an interesting picture when you toss in a wearable. Okay. So let's talk about it. Amazon is making a big leap into the health space with the launch of Halo, a new app and wristband that the company says can detect emotion in your voice by analyzing speech and calculate body fat percentage using just your smartphone's camera. Uh, the Halo, so again, that's something that works very much with your smartphone, but let's continue. The Halo band will be launching an early access starting on Thursday, meaning those, and that's as of last week, meaning those interested in trying the service will have to obtain an invite. The launch marks the online, and I think it goes for 99 bucks. I'm not sure if the, the story talks about it, but it's, it's a hundred dollars, which that's, you know, not competitive with the me band line, but competitive perhaps for what it does. And certainly competitive with Apple and Fitbit moving on the launch marks the online retail giants, biggest push into health yet coming after the firm. This is important to bring up coming after the firm launched a virtual health clinic for employees last September and said it's building labs to test its workers for COVID-19. It also acquired the online pharmacy pill pack in 2018 for its prescription delivery service. Now, the things that Business Insider, at least in this story, are not, or at this juncture in the story, at the very least, are not bringing up is that also uh, Amazon has made deals with John Hancock, the life insurance company. Okay. And in fact, 
uh, John Hancock will, they will give you a free Amazon Halo wearable. Um, if you allow for the data to be from the wearable to be collected by John Hancock, but understand. So, cause we're going to get into this a little bit later, uh, particularly when it comes to the tone feature, which judges the emotion of your voice. Understand that Amazon is trying to uh, negate privacy concerns by saying, well, everything's done on device, probably partly why it costs a hundred dollars and not 30, like a, like a me band, everything gets, you know, data collections done on device or perhaps some degree on an app, but it's deleted afterwards at the very least with tone. Anyway, so that's great that Amazon wants to claim that keyword, key, key phrasing there, claim that, but there are insurance companies already that want to collect this data. Is this necessarily new or exclusive to Amazon and their fitness tracker? No, but it's important to bring up. It's important to also bring up that Amazon is very much in the insurance game, not just uh, health insurance, but also auto insurance. I think they made a deal in India in the past couple months for that. Um, but their, you know, their hands, their fingers, I should say, actually, no, it is. It's their hands, their whole fucking hands are in a lot of pies that could make a lot of use and frankly, screw the individual or the consumer with a device and the data collected by something like, um, you know, the Amazon halo. Now, like I said, as we talk about this, as we go down the feature set, well, but Amazon says they delete the, the data, but Amazon says they delete the data. Okay. Amazon does. But then what if you, and yep, you're doing it willfully. Okay, fine, moron. I mean, uh, fine. Okay, you're doing it willfully. But that doesn't mean that other companies can't take advantage of this collected data. And it's remarkable, frankly, already that John Hancock is already making the deal. Saying, we'll give you a $100 free, uh, you know, Amazon, quote unquote, free Amazon Halo wearable, uh, you know, as long as we can collect the data. Wow. How, <laughs> to quote Shakespeare. You hold your manhood cheap, I suppose, if you think that rampant collection of data about you, even while you are asleep, is only worth $100. Boy, do we have a problem with self-esteem and self-value in the world today. But let's continue, because we're just scratching the surface of what's going on with this. Um, Amazon is joining a crowded space, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, but Amazon is taking a different approach than these companies. Rather than focusing on the device itself, Amazon is positioning Halo as a comprehensive digital health service that leverages both your phone and its accompanying wristband. The company is also delving into metrics that go beyond basic fitness activity and sleep tracking, although its service does offer those measurements too. For example, Halo includes a feature that uses artificial intelligence and your smartphone's camera to take a 3D body scan for calculating your body fat percentage. It also uses machine learning to take, uh, to make inferences about what the tone of your voice says about your mood and energy level during conversations through a new appropriately named capability called tone. Amazon is offering such services amid growing concerns about privacy and the size and influence of not just Amazon, but other similarly large technology companies. CEO Jeff Bezos recently testified alongside the CEOs from Apple, Google, and Facebook. Oh boy, that was a hoot. <laughs> you should watch that video if you haven't. Uh, anyway, in a blockbuster antitrust hearing let just last month and last year, Amazon was embroiled in controversy over Alexa-related privacy concerns and how police departments are using Ring for surveillance. Amazon says privacy was built into Halo from the ground up and that data from the service will never be be used for advertising or other purposes for now. Uh, and of course, if you make the right deal with the right company that gives you some kind of a premium discount or, or gives you a free device or whatever, uh, on your monthly bill or whatever the fuck that looks like, um, 
you're still going to hand that data over. And as long as it gets handed over to John Hancock and not to Amazon, Amazon is true to its word. But let me ask you this. What happens when this data goes to John Hancock and John Hancock sells it back to Amazon or as part of the partnership that they already have with Amazon? Then Amazon didn't collect it, but they did take it. They were offered it after the fact by John Hancock, and then they still get that data. Do you think that that's going to end up happening? Oh, you bet your goddamn ass. Well, again, we're just getting started with what this, what Amazon Halo means. Let's keep going. The wristband will cost $64.99, okay, uh, during the early access period. Then it'll cost $100. After that, it'll be $100. Membership to the Halo app costs $3.99 per month, but Amazon, but Amazon says the first six months are free during the early access period. Um, so, okay. So this is another subscription service. You, you know, I mean, before you know it, you're going to be hashing out potentially thousands of dollars in subscription services when you thought, Oh, gee, it was getting me away from the tyranny of the cable company and blah, blah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, now one of the interesting things with the, uh, Amazon halo wristband is that it does not have a screen. Now, this is not the first fitness tracker to have that, right? I think Fitbit might've had like a mini one that did something similar. Uh, Razer as an R-A-Z-E-R, Razer, the gaming PC company. Uh, they had one that just had little flashing lights. Now I'll, I'll say this much. And Amazon played on this, which I think is very interesting because we have been saying for years on this show, the last thing you need is another screen in your life. Amazon is using that exact verbiage, which does two things. One, it justifies the problem that incessant screens cost or, or cause, right? Which is what we've talked about as far as attention, among other things, right? The attention wars, talking about this for some time. The other uh, part that is interesting is that this does point at, you know, even though the, the uh, like the 3D body fat modeling and everything that it does through the app on your smartphone, this still does point at where Tech giant, the tech giants specifically are looking at getting to a zero UI, right? Or what I've always called hooey, hands-free UI, you know, as in it's a bunch of hooey where there is no more UI. But then, you know, again, once you lose the UI, well, you ultimately lose control. So it, it, it's proving that point as well that I've been saying this is where the tech giants want to go. They want to go where there is no UI and you are interacting where basically you are ultimately beholden to whatever their servers will allow you to do not what you type in and want whatever you're doing to do, but where you lose control and you can only ask, I mean, people don't even think about this. The, you know, like the, the concept behind voice assistants, right. You know, like Alexa, like Siri, like go down the list. You are ultimately as to where, if you are in front of a keyboard or even a touchscreen, you are pushing, you are telling, you are telling the device what you want it to do, right? You're telling it. There is no asking. It is a device. It is a, for lack of a better phrase, a servant to your whim. As a machine can and should be. Now, when you interact with Siri or when you interact with Alexa, what are you doing? You're asking. It's more of that, you know, you need permission to do this, right? It's like, oh, can you do this? Can I do this? As to where if it's a keyboard in front of you, I can do whatever the fuck I want as long as I'm smart enough, as long as I know enough Python, as long as I know enough XYZ. 
I'm good. I can make, I can force my device to do what I want it to do. As to where, when you are dealing with voice assistants, which the Halo band would be in many ways, or, you know, or when you are subservient to, you know, servers far away, which are just somebody else's computers under control of somebody else. Uh, no, you have to ask, you know, it's more of that permission based culture, which is a problem. But anyway, that's getting into a much larger abstract, but I think it's an important point to bring up at this time. But, uh, but let, let, let's, let's continue on. Anyway, I'll read a little bit about what it does have. The halo band doesn't deliver notifications to your wrist, but it's packed. I mean, again, I think that's a good thing, but there's the underlying problems, but it's packed with health tracking sensors, like a temperature sensor, accelerometer, and a heart rate monitor. The band also comes with two built-in microphones and there's a, cause you got to ask, uh, you know, got to ask permission. Can I do this? Amazon? Is that okay with you? As to where, you know, the good old days, you had that computer in front of you, you had a nice thing pad in front of you do this motherfucker. Yeah. That's how computing's supposed to be, but okay, I guess not in the 21st century. Moving on, um, the band also comes with two built-in microphones, and there's a physical button for turning them on or off. Well, <laughs> the least we can turn them off. Whew, that's good. Uh, Amazon says it should for it should last for a whole week on a single charge. Of course, that only makes sense. The app is divided into and it's all right. So let's see. Uh, the band itself is a fairly is fairly basic because much of the interaction happens in the Halo app. The app is divided into a few main sections: activity, sleep, body, and tone. Activity, as its name implies, houses your activity data. Rather than just tracking calories or active minutes, Amazon's Halo app offers a point system. Wearers can earn points based on their activity, with more rigorous physical activities earning more points. And Rather than setting a daily goal, Halo provides a weekly goal of 150 points. You'll also lose points if you remain sedentary for too long throughout the day. Like many other fitness trackers, the Halo band also tracks sleep metrics such as time spent asleep and awake in stages of sleep. Since it has a temperature sensor, it can also monitor skin temperature while sleeping. The app also includes a selection of labs, which are digital programs that help you progress toward uh, certain wellness goals. And of course, with those labs, I mean, it's going to be like... Uh, you know, like Alexa um, uh, tasks, right? Is that what they call them? Where other companies like Walgreens could probably get in on this right aid. You go down the list. Um, look, I, I want to be, I want to be clear on a couple of things here. One, as far as the sleep goes, we have an orgy of data that sleep trackers suck. They, they don't work. They don't do the job. Okay. I mean, at, at best, they're a stone. I mean, they're not even a stone's throw from accuracy of how well you slept. Okay. A sleep tracker doesn't know the difference between you sleeping or dancing in many ways. <laughs> okay. So that, and, and we've talked about that many times about the problems with sleep trackers and how they really just don't work. And I don't think that Amazon uh, reinvented the wheel here as far as sleep tracking goes. The other thing is that Rigorous physical activities. This is something that I've brought up many times, testing many fitness trackers. And as somebody who takes his fitness incredibly seriously, works multiple hours, almost ev works out multiple hours, almost every day. Okay. And as in a per as, and I'm not boasting, I'm just making the point. As you can see from pictures of me, I am a person who is in pretty goddamn good shape. Okay. If you want to judge me by my bench, right? If you want to lay out metrics, I can bench pretty good. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, really, like, I, I mean, I work out and it is one of the primary thrusts and activities that I do in my life. I enjoy it so much. Okay. Fitness trackers. 
Now, what I do is, you know, I go to Planet Fitness or whatever gym or I'm at the home gym or whatever, you know, and I do uh, I do weightlifting. I do resistance training. Right. I mean, and, and I wouldn't call myself a bodybuilder, but certainly that's the kind of body I like to go for and I like to maintain. All right. Fitness trackers do nothing for that. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that the the Amazon Halo would have no fucking clue. If, you know, I did an insane two hour chest workout. It's going to know if I did cardio, sure. But then what if you're somebody who doesn't believe in cardio? And believe me, there are a lot of people where that works. And you've got to understand with working out, that is a very, very individualized, personalized situation. What's not, you know, what's not or what's good for the goose may not be good for the gander when it comes especially to weight training. All right. Or to, to you know, to physicality, to, to, you know, physical fitness overall. Some people respond to cardio significantly differently than others. There is no one size fits all for this sort of thing. And I guarantee you this app is tracking, you know, the, just the most basic stuff. Oh, did you go for a walk today? Did you go for a run today? Did you get in your 10,000 steps? Did you do this? And even that metric is horseshit. And so th this does nothing. But again, part of the problem here is, is that all of that data is attached genuinely to insurance companies, either by proxy or directly. That's a concern. Okay. Is that, you know, these are things that, that, that no fitness tracker really does very well. Um, ironically, the whole reason I've ever, the only argument I've ever made for why you would want a fitness tracker is to get notifications. And yet that's not what this one does, but let's read on a little bit because there's a, there's more to talk about. Uh, but one of, let's see, one of Halo's standout features is its ability to measure body fat percentage. Halo uses Amazon's machine learning and computer vision technology to create a 3D scan of your body using your phone's camera, a deep neural network that's been trained to understand how images of a person relate to the properties of their body, like fat and muscle analyzes the data according to blah, blah, blah. Amazon's medical officer. They have one. Um, although it can't actually see fat, the neural network looks at areas where fat is commonly found, like the torso, thighs, and mid back. The app can also generate models that show your body shape could change as your body fat percentage increases or decreases. Amazon says anyone should be able to take a body scan in the Halo app so long as they have a room to stand between four and six uh, feet away from their phone. The company also says the user should wear tight, minimal clothing to get the best results. Amazon claims this method of calculating body fat percentages is as accurate as those a doctor would use and twice as accurate as those used by smart home scales. I'm sure it's better than a home scale. Okay. But you know, body fat percentage being done by an app, uh, this is probably something very much in the testing phase. And I'm sure would deliver great results for somebody who's really trying to you know, not the person trying to shed the last 10 pounds, but the, and I say this with no disrespect, but I'm saying a person who is probably trying to lose a significant amount of weight, that person might get like some kind of nice uh, dopamine rush or boost from using this kind of feature. But if you are somebody who's in the top five to 1% of fitness amongst the genus of humanity that is known as humanity, not the species, but anyway, even the genus that's I could talk about that, but that, that's a whole other subject. Um, I don't think this is going to do anything for you and it's not for you. So, because also if you're at that stage, you probably know how to listen to your body and no app can tell you half as much as what your body can tell you. Right. You know, I'm reminded actually of the, of the Nietzsche quote that is, uh, and I, I love this. There's more philosophy in your body or, or there's more truth in your body than, than in, you know, However, however that goes, then in a million philosophers or then in a hundred philosophers words, something like that. Basically your body 
can tell you more truths than any philosophy can. Well, let me assure you of this. Your body can tell you far more than any machine or AI or whatever could possibly try. If you can listen to it, just like if you can listen to your body, well, maybe you don't need all those philosophies out there. But again, that's getting into a much larger abstract issue here uh, or much larger abstract conversation. But let's move on. The other hallmark capability, and this is the big one, is Halo's ability to analyze the emotional tone of your voice. Let's read it. If you've ever wondered whether you've come across as being agitated during the recent team meeting, Amazon's tone feature should help, the company claims. Amazon's tone uses AI to analyze the positivity and energy in your voice to help you better understand how you sound to others, the company says. The microphones on the Halo band pick up your speech and analyze qualities like pitch, intensity, tempo, and rhythm to estimate your mood during the conversation. I am sure that Amazon's tone would be losing its AI mind if it listened to me, especially while I record Sovereign Tech. But continuing, even though I am one of the happiest people on the fucking planet. But let's continue. As shown in the image above, and you can see it, uh, the app, let's say, or yeah, uh, the, the app can provide a report estimating whether you sounded positive or negative throughout the day and even highlights specific standout moments. The goal of a feature like this, according to Amazon's medical officer, is to help customers reflect on how they sounded in recent conversations. Customers. You must opt into the tone feature in order for it to work by creating a voice profile. If you choose to opt in, Amazon says tone will run in the background and analyze short samples of speech throughout the day. The band collects speech samples, processes them within the Halo app, and then automatically deletes those snippets, meaning they can't be played back even by the user. So, okay, again, like I said, uh, that's great that they want to claim that it ends up getting deleted. However, you know, all it takes is some kind of third-party integration to where I, I could imagine and you giving it permission. I mean, look, Amazon's doing it right. I under, they, they know the privacy concerns around this because they've ran into their own fiascos with Alexa and other companies have run into fiascos as far as collection of voice data as well. I mean, that's not even getting into the, like the, the, the transcriptions that were being sent where, and in fact, we don't even have clarity on that because one of the things that we found out, I think it was last year was that Amazon uh, workers were, potentially able to, okay, fine. They couldn't hear what you said to, you know, to, to uh, an echo, right. To, to Alexa, but they could read a transcript and they got away through some legal gymnastics. They got away with doing that. Oh no, no, no. We didn't, we didn't listen to your conversation, but we read it through the transcription. Now, I don't know if there's any, any guarantees around, you know, whether or not there's going to be a transcript there. Now you could argue that it doesn't matter because if this is about tone, okay. But again, it's all, it's, it must literally be always listening or at least doing bursts of listening. And they say that it all gets done locally. And, and, and that's funny too, because Amazon's basically admitting what I have said is that data should be handled locally and deleted locally. It should not be going off to a server. Amazon is effectively saying that that is how privacy should be done. How many apps, regardless of the app, or, you know, regardless of the, the implementation or purpose actually do that? Almost none. Amazon is proving so many points that Sovereign Tech has said, this is how you do security and privacy. This is how you respect the individual. And I mean, in fact, I don't have to go any further. This is how you respect the individual. 
no other app maker is even trying. Now, I'm not going to give Amazon credit because I think they're going to worm their way around this and they're going to figure out how to end up using it anyway. But regardless of that, I really don't expect another human being to, I mean, because, you know, they say that, well, this is attached to artificial intelligence. Okay. Look, a lot of people operate under a lot of different auspices and you know, the way that one person talks can mean something completely differently than how they actually feel inside. It can have no meaning whatsoever. Okay. Here's an example. And I, and I, I bring this guy up with respect. I mean, with, with absolute respect, I am not insulting him at all. Cause I think he's a brilliant fucking guy and I've always enjoyed his insights and what he brings to the table whenever he is on other tech podcasts, Amazon halo would have a field day with Harry McCracken. Okay. Again, it's more of this, well, everybody's kind of the same. And so AI can judge whether or not, you know, you had a positive interaction or whatever. I mean, what is this going to turn into? Is this going to turn into where if I say, you know, fuck goddamn shit, uh, uh, pussy, but I don't know, whatever. And I say all these things. I mean, is it going to start like charging me? Is it going to say, well, Brian, I, I don't think uh, we, we like your attitude. This is leading to all kinds of issues when it's an auto insurance thing. Is it going to end up saying that? Oh, well you, you clearly had road rage because we could tell by the halo app. And so your auto insurance, which Amazon is a part of, uh, you know, you're, you're screwed. Um, oh no, you're, you're not allowed to say that blah, blah, blah. I mean, this sounds so 1984 or maybe it ends up sounding like, how about this? Sanctimonious asshole. Let me know, Huxley. You are fined one half credit for a sort of voce violation of the verbal morality Thank statute. Thank you. Gun. Noun. Portable firearm. This device was widely utilized in the urban wars of the late 20th century. Referred to as a pistol. Look, I don't need a history lesson. Come on, Hal. Where the goddamn guns? You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. What? Fuck you. Your repeated violation of the verbal morality statute has caused me to notify the San Angeles Police Department. Please <laughs> remain where you are for your own time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuckers are fast, too. You are fined one credit for violation of the verbal morality Illegal. Alcohol, caffeine, contact sports, meat. Are you shitting me? John Spartan, you are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. The hell is that? John Spartan, you are fined one credit. Bad language, chocolate, gasoline, uneducational toys, and anything spicy. Oh. Zach Lamb? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> I got older. My God. I remember when you were a snot-nosed rookie pilot. They finally grounded me. Shit. You're a damn good pilot. You are fined two credits for a violation of the statute. <laughs> I'll be right back. They seem to be friends, yet he speaks to him in the most profane manner. Well, if you had read my study, you would know that this is how insecure heterosexual males used to bond. I knew that. Thanks a lot, you shit violations of the verbal morality statute. So much for the seashells. See you in a few minutes. Termination. Wars and urban disturbances of the 19th and 20th century. Oh, shit. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. Yes. Now, this is what I'm talking about. How do you get in here? Hey, hey, you got to wait that 15-day waiting period? Or can I just, like, take one now? Oh, motherfucker. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. 
So what, 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 in these batteries? What size? I mean, where the fuck do you find batteries in the future? Was a battery store around, motherfucker? Excuse me, museum patron. To take me to dinner at Taco Bell, Lord knows I wouldn't mind a burrito. There's also one of the guys that built the goddamn cryopreneurs. You are fined one Thanks. Dr. Cocteau is the most important man in San Angeles. He had a full ten seconds to figure out where to put the hole in your fucking head. John Spotlight, this display of barbaric behavior was unacceptable even in Phoenix's presence or your own. I wonder about this shithead. If you think you got this maniac under control, trust me, you don't. Is that where we're going, folks? The verbal morality statute? Is, 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 that, is that demolition man? Are we going down that road? Is it going to, you know, if, if, we're, if we're angry enough? Is it going to call the cops? Why not? Ring video doorbell already does. Or should I say that data gets handed over to the police at the drop of a hat? What is the purpose behind this? What? You know, actually to quote the character Simon Phoenix from the movie Demolition Man that you were just hearing some audio from. And I hope you all remember that scene or those scenes. It's a whole string of them. People have a right to be assholes. And there isn't a company on the planet that should collect or give a shit about what kind of mood I'm in or whether or not you had a positive customer experience. Are you, we're, we're to the point where like now we're, we're, we're gauging uh, consumers mood based upon their voice patterns, whether or not, I don't know what, what, what you're going to advertise, even though they said that it's not going to be used for advertisements, but then they said it's for customers. I sense some contradictions here, but far worse. I know you have to sign up for, you have to like agree to it. It's not going to be on by default. Well, that's great. I'm glad that it's not on by default. Of course, I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. But much like, you know, there's the argument, right? Um, There's the argument of, where people say that, well, you know, because like you'll get news organizations or you'll, you'll get activists or whatever who will say, oh, they're trying to pass this bill in the Senate in the U.S. or in this state or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And and then, you know, you have your your you have people using that term loosely. You have people that will come out and say, yeah, but there's a million crazy, you know, bills that try to get passed that say, oh, you have to do this to get pregnant or to to, to qualify or blah, 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 you know, but most of them never pass. So stop raising the alarm bells. Well, while I agree, you might not want to get alarmist about stupid bills that get, that are attempted to get passed and never would. What you should get alarmist about is, is that there are moronic politicians. I'm sorry. I, that's kind of redundant to say. There are morons who think that these stupid bills that they're trying to pass are somehow a good idea. Now, take that logic, or lack thereof, here. Someone at Amazon, to the tune of, not tone, to the tune of getting this concept of tone implemented into the Amazon Halo wristband, they thought this was a good idea. Regard, you know, you because you can come to me and you can say all the time, well, you know, eh, well, no one's going to turn that on. Oh, no one's going to use it. Oh, it probably won't even work. None of that matters. What matters is I've always I've said this many times for 
pretty much a decade, as long as the show has existed, I've always said, do not follow the money, follow the attitude. The attitude of the people at Amazon is that you should be grinning from ear to ear and you should be happy about every little goddamn thing. And if you're not, we're going to let you know, we're going to give you a full AI analysis on whether or not you are a happy-go-lucky person in the, who the fuck's going to be happy-go-lucky in the world we're living in right now? This is about the dumbest time to ever implement this kind of feature, to even offer it. But again, it's one of the dumbest things you could possibly fucking offer. This is creepy on a level beyond most other technologies I've ever even heard of, let alone actually released to the consumer public. And I ask you, How far does this go? What's the next uh, little feature to take advantage of tone that comes out of labs, right? Does this get handed over to the police? Because, well, you know, I mean, oh, I can imagine lawyers would love this. Yes. Uh, according to, um, you know, the, the halo app, it is very clear that, uh, uh, the, 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 the defendant was quite put out, um, you know, before he committed whatever act, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, the, the, you think that won't happen? One of the biggest issues that, or one of the, one of the hurdles, I should say, that I think a lot of us have to really face, and no one wants to, because they tried to laugh it off when a lot of these, you know, uh, uh, encroaching technologies were just theorized, you know, people would call in, I don't know, they'd call into Art Bell or they'd call into, you know, whatever quote unquote kook show. And I don't necessarily, I'm, you know, I'm saying that in a conventional sense, what people think, you know, they call into this, they call into that and like, oh no, 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 the U S government's not doing that. They're not turning on your webcam. They're not tracking what you watch. They're not tracking this, 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 this. And then, you know, Snowden revelations happened. And even before then, right? AT&T with their hotel rooms where they're, you know, that are basically listening posts. Uh, yes, folks, that was in the early aughts. Um, go down the list of it. All of these things that people say, oh, no, they're not doing that. Oh, they'd never do that. Oh, the government wouldn't go that far. Oh, blah, blah. No, no. It all ended up being far worse than any of us ever really imagined. And that's why when you say, oh, Stallion, Dr. Sovereign, you're, you're going, aren't you going on a bit of a limb here? No, 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 no. I, I was like you years ago, decades ago, where I thought, oh, no, 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 come on. They're not going to, no, they wouldn't really do that. Yeah, maybe it's possible, but they wouldn't really do that. And even I was wrong. It's, it, you know, I mean, uh, pr pretty much every, 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 you know, distance that any of this technology can go, any tyrannical use that can be done with any of this kind of technology. Personally, I think you're an idiot not to think that it wouldn't be used in that way. It's almost, it's to the point of, well, of course they're going to use it for that, but then you're going to strap it on your wrist. The cognitive dissonance here. Mighty thick, mighty thick. I mean, look, I, I can appreciate, I can appreciate people wanting to be more positive, you know, 
and maybe wanting to be kinder, more empathetic. Those those are very good things, and I mean it. They are very good things. But let me tell you, if you're not angry, you are not paying attention. And I will not allow an app, a smartphone, a technology to give me a rating on how the fuck I feel. I mean, I can just picture it here. My, my, my smartphone's going nuts. So, boy, uh, uh, Brian, you, you, you seem quite angry. Yes, because you're trampling. You are trampling on my very existence. You are implying how I should act. I should be more positive. I should be this. In the face of all the horse shit going on right now, in the face of that orange ass hat that's sitting in a chair in some office that happens to be elliptical, Are you kidding? The world doesn't need positivity right now. The world needs a hard look. And how the fuck we got here? How did we get this far? How did it get this bad? How did we allow it to be like it is right now? How did that moron get in office? How did, why are there offices? Haven't we gotten past all this? I mean, you'd think it'd be, you know, you think uh, uh, governments would be like war where haven't we realized this stuff should be completely out of fashion by now? I, I, have we grown up at all? Let me guess. We need an app for that. We need an app, right? This is preposterous. This is going down, down roads and directions that, I mean, I'll admit it. I didn't see this coming at all. I would not, I could never have imagined that because it does, it, it's absolutely dystopian. The idea that you are wearing a type of tech or any kind of technology that you are wearing something that is going to, you know, uh, uh, give you a rating on just how goddamn happy you are. I mean, Hey, fine. You want to rock a mood ring or something like that? Ooh, it's all red. I am in love. All right. Great. If you need an app to tell you how happy you are or to assess how you've interacted with other people, holy shit, do I fear for the species. You don't know? You, 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 don't, you don't know if you were kind today? You don't know if you were nice enough? We're screwed. We're screwed. Put that in your Halo app. I'll be back with more. Tired of school? Who was Joan of Arc? Noah's wife? Like to travel? Let's go back into history. Let's reach out and touch someone. Want to meet people in the past? Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Excellent! Execute them! Bogus! Then hitch a ride with George Carlin, Keanu Reeves, and Alex Winter in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from Orion Pictures. Issues of privacy, security, and social engineering. It's HackSec.
just went and made some uh, toilet paper by swearing into my Amazon Halo wristband. No, are you kidding me? I'm not wearing one of those fucking things. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyway, I wish I could say we're getting into some good news, but we're not. In fact, I don't know if there's going to be. I, mean, I think we opened up with some good stuff, some interesting uh, uh, directions um, that that things are going. You know, it's not all bad news, but. Well, anyway, um, news that I, bad news that I never really thought that I would be talking about, but we've got to talk about this. I had someone the day, actually, like before it was even publicly announced, I know that employees of Mozilla were tweeting about this and, uh, I had some intrepid sovereign tech listeners, uh, tag me on Twitter, um, about it real quick about Twitter folks. Um, if my Twitter account looks blank and empty, that is by my design, by the way, I know some people were concerned that maybe my account got cracked into, uh, not the case. Um, Anyway, I, 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 I did that <laughs> still have plenty of people tweeting at me and I'm honored by it and, you know, feel free. Um, I'm still deciding on what exactly my Twitter strategy is, uh, going forward. Um, but I'll tell you something that, uh, that strategy that I don't trust going forward, that's coming from Mozilla and basically employees who were, uh, laid off or relieved from, uh, from Mozilla's employee took to Twitter, letting everybody know, Hey, you know, th actually they're getting rid of a lot of their security team. There's, I, I mean, there were a lot of people as of, I want to say this was, uh, around August 20th, August 21st around there. Um, there were quite a few people see approximately, I think it was 250 employees, uh, and then 60 others were, were relieved. And then 60 others were, uh, moved to different teams. Um, there was a whole write-up by Mozilla about this shakeup. Basically what's going on is, is that they are claiming to be refocusing with Firefox and uh, with Mozilla in general, and that COVID-19 has just, you know, taken a real toll on the company. And so they had to, they had to let uh, two, almost 300 people go um, and then, you know, shift some other people around. Again, a lot of this is under, has affected, uh, uh, you know, security teams within and security in general at Mozilla, as far as I can tell, as far as what I have been told uh, and based upon the teams and departments and people that have been let go or have been shuffled around um, Mozilla's restructuring. These are their main goals as of this month, August of 2020 focusing Firefox on users. I, I, I kind of figured they were already doing that, but uh, I don't know. I guess they got to, this is part of the restructuring. So before they weren't focusing on Firefox on users. Okay. Um, investing in new products. Uh, there's an interesting, you know, we've, we've talked about this where there could end up being a, a Firefox premium in 2020. Even we've, we've talked about this and there certainly there have been uh, uh, inclinations or uh, hints from Mozilla employees that they are looking to do that, to have like a, a, you know, subscriber model for Firefox. Uh, and I've even made the argument. Yeah, that could get really, really interesting. If there's a great privacy and security, um, you know, feature set that is only baked into, uh, Firefox and that you could pay a one-time fee for maybe that does, you know, VPN, which they already have, and we've talked about and reviewed, uh, and could implement, you know, PGP right into it and, you know, and all this great stuff. There, there's an argument to be made for that. But based on what I've read from Mozilla's statement, these new products that they're looking at, it basically looks like they're trying to do Firefox OS again, which 
that, you know, if you want to do Firefox OS and again, concentrate on security and privacy, fine. But it sounds like they want to do Firefox OS to get back. And I said back because they tried this before to get back into consumer products like Firefox TV. That was a thing a few years ago, folks. We talked about it. And I said how it was a horrible idea then. Well, it's not a good idea now either. Next uh, 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 note of restructuring, centralizing marketing on both new products and core business and reinvigorating the community. All four of those things, except for maybe the new products. How are those like part of restructuring? That That's just what you should be fucking doing, Mozilla. But to pour salt on this wound, basically, just hours after, and I've confirmed this, I've had people from Mozilla or ex-employees of Mozilla reach out to me, but I've also, um, you know, I've also done some, you know, I want to verify what they're telling me. I'm not saying I don't believe them, but, you know. Uh, and really just a few hours after those, after, you know, those people were let go, Mozilla inked a deal, not a new deal, but a, but a re-up basically with Google to the tune of about $450 million to allow for Google to be the default search engine in Firefox until 2023. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but somehow I think $500 million would probably go pretty far to cover the paychecks of those 250 people that they let go. Also, to blame this, uh, you know, to, to blame these uh, uh, relieving of duty uh, <laughs> of employees, uh, firing, let's just call it, this, the firing of employees on COVID-19, frankly, that just doesn't make sense. If anything, with COVID-19 going on, if I were Mozilla, what would I be doing? If I, you know, I would be doubling down on securing and tightening up the code for WebRTC and, you know, bolstering WebRTC overall, that is a, that is completely baked into basically, you know, a few years ago with WebRTC, Mozilla baked in audio and video calling right into the web browser to where you didn't have to have separate software or anything like that. Boy, wouldn't you think that'd be an amazing thing to take advantage of during COVID-19? Yes, it would. The fact that COVID-19 whatever the reality around that is, the fact that most people are now being forced to work remotely, okay, and from their PC, you know, from their computer, the fact that the browser is now more important than ever should actually lead to really Firefox getting uh, a lot more money from, you know, whatever angels, I mean, you know, wherever they get their funding from. Like, it doesn't make sense. This should be COVID-19, and I'm not saying, you know, that they should see it as a good thing, but it should be a boon for their business, not a detraction. They shouldn't be losing money. They should be gaining tons of money. And there are specific things that they should really be concentrating on. Like I would have ran to the fact that Firefox has native video conferencing. I would have been marketing the fuck out of that. So, you know, the idea that COVID-19 is hurting Mozilla doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, what, what does this really all mean? Okay. First off, you know, can Mozilla like, is, is this them? Hey, we got to cut this off and you know, we're going to actually going to try the premium thing. And could that still end up all being a good thing? Sure. I think the ultimate question that a lot of people are asking 
about this shakeup at Mozilla is that or not again, I said just a lot of people and mainly it's listeners, but I know what a lot of you are asking because you've asked me stallion. Are you still recommending Firefox? Now it's interesting that about four or five episodes ago, I got a, uh, an email that we covered during important messages. I got an email from a, a mother who was asking, Hey, I understand, you know, how important the web browser is. My kid is growing up and they're going to get stuck into an ecosystem. Probably which one do you think they should get stuck in? And I think at the end of that, I more or less said, yeah, Firefox is kind of still the direction to go because, you know, they've got the right philosophy. Well, as some of these employees have stated or ex-employees of Mozilla have stated, it is an entirely new Mozilla. The Mozilla that is running Firefox now is a completely different company and does not have the same philosophies that the Mozilla of your had. That is a problem. Okay. And this speaks to, again, don't follow the money, follow the attitude. Cause frankly, I think all their money woes are horseshit. Now Mozilla only has, doesn't even have 5% of browser market share. Is that accurate? Yeah. By, by depending upon the metric. Yes. Um, I get that. That's not, I mean, there, there are certainly browsers out there that would kill for that kind of share, but uh, you know, that that's not like the greatest numbers, right? I understand. I hear you. Um, so do I still recommend Firefox? Uh, frankly, so, I mean, look, Firefox is still at this time because it could change. Uh, now Firefox is still open source. And so, you know, Firefox would never really die. And there are already forks of Firefox, right? Like there is, what is it? Um, ice Fox, there used to be pale moon. I don't know. Like there's a bunch of these. And of course the Tor, uh, you know, the Tor browser is uh, a fork of, of Firefox and so on. Um, and, and that's great. And, and I want those to still exist. Uh, now with, you know, let, let's, let's break this down similar to what we did. And I'm glad that this, or anyway, I'm glad that we recently discussed this because we can reference back and forth. And now I think there's some, uh, something that I brought up before needs to get reiterated when we answered that question about what browser should I be using? Right. Which is a great question to update frequently. Um, if you're using, as I said in that episode, just a few episodes ago, if you're using uh, Apple products, Stick with Safari. I think Safari's dynamite. It's great. I use it on my iOS, on my iOS devices all the time. Okay, stick with Safari. Rock solid browser. Um, if you're using Windows, you happen to be using Windows, and maybe even Android. Uh, I think Edge is a fine option for security. Yeah, no, it's not open source. I understand that, but then we don't know what the future of Firefox is either. Okay, will something come up to take its place? I'm sure. But until that day comes, we've got to go with some other options here. And again, I do not trust. I do not like what I heard about what, what how things are running at Mozilla right now. Um, so, you know, yeah, use Edge, right? Because at the very least, you're engaging in a sense of security based around, you know, software and account minimalism. Okay. I know. I, I look, I mean, I've, I've used credge. I've put it through the tests. It does the job. It, it works really well. And as far as battery life on a windows laptop, it's fucking phenomenal. And when it's available on Linux, is it going to be worthwhile to try? Maybe, especially if you're a person where most of your life is more on your phone, but you have a Linux laptop waiting at home. I understand. Okay. Now, if you are using Linux though, and say edge isn't the option yet. Okay. And I'm not saying necessarily like if you are a full on open source, you know, cat, I, I, I get it. Okay. Maybe if you're using KDE, I don't know, use conquer or something like that. Um, something I brought up 
when the mother asked that question into the show. I had said, damn, I wish Vivaldi was open source because that is a great browser. It can do everything Firefox does, and it's so much lighter weight than Firefox. Like, I mean, just my computer never gets hot. The fans don't start spinning almost no matter how many, or at least when it's a comparable amount of browser tabs open compared to my, uh, you know, instance of Firefox and so on. Vivaldi's fantastic. It can sync across to an Android device, not iOS, but an Android device. And it's available basically on every platform otherwise uh, than, than iOS. It is a solid, rock solid option. And, you know, if you are going through with what works and what seems to be respecting of you and, and is working on just being a really great, you know, powerful yet lightweight browser, Vivaldi is the one. Okay. Like really. So, and, and that's not new. I was saying this before this whole shakeup happened before there was even a whiff of any kind of shakeup going down. And this was largely a surprise. And I think we should really pay attention to, uh, the fact that the Google deal that Mozilla inked was done just hours after this, uh, you know, layoff or after this, this firing nasty business, but I would be very wary of Mozilla right now. I would be very wary of what their plans are. Um, someone will pick up the torch if Mozilla somehow goes under, even as an nonprofit. Uh, but I mean, they're still a company ultimately. Um, you know, someone will, will pick up that torch. There are other, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of more minor browsers out there. I think now is the time for them to really ramp up, reaching out to people to, to get them used. But again, I think the best thing that you can always do is to rock software minimalism. Now, I mean, if you're on, if you're on Linux and you keep rocking, you know, Firefox or whatever, or maybe you use IceCat, right. From, uh, from the free software foundation or something. I mean, you, you know what you've got going on then you, I don't have to tell you and you're keeping an eye, you know, who you're, you're my, you're keeping a close eye on your network and everything, you know, what's going on and, and there's nothing fishy happening. Right. But I think for the everyday user and to have like a really powerful desktop browser, I think Vivaldi is, you know, now more so it's worth looking at because the future of Firefox is very much in question. And I'm very concerned over the fact that what they basically laid off was that they, like they dropped the security people or at least a lot of them like, what, <laughs> you know, you should be hiring more. It, it doesn't even make sense. And, you know, admittedly too, I mean, the best thing we can do as tech enthusiasts is to somehow educate people to be not just users, but power users, right? And maybe that's what Mozilla meant when they said focusing Firefox on users, because maybe before they felt like, well, we're focusing on power users, but then that's exactly who you want because those are the passionate people. Those are the people, you know, that are your great use cases of, you know, that you can show off to investors or whatever. But no, if, if it's all about just getting install numbers and, and everything else. Um, and, and look, I know Mozilla tried, I, I, I gotta be fair, right? Because like with WebMaker and other things, Mozilla has really, really tried to educate people on the importance of you know, understanding how this technology works and, and, and so on, and maybe even getting into coding and, and whatever else. Um, but to like, leave that behind, 
I'd almost rather they just throw in the towel instead of like pretending that there's some kind of company that really, you know, note that no matter what, that money's not even, you know, money doesn't matter. That's why we're a nonprofit. Money doesn't matter. What matters is an open web privacy and security. They can't really pretend that anymore, in my opinion. I'll tell you, you know, the company that could step up to the plate and really do something amazing with this, and they're already doing it on mobile. Here, here's, here's my take. Here's my theory. Like I said, I, I might recommend looking at Vivaldi, okay? Putting that out there. Um, you know, there, there are other options, certainly, uh, to, to look at. Um, you know, you have, you have Falcon, right? I mean, the, the problem is with some of these minor ones is that their development teams are sometimes really small or even just one person. And <laughs> that's kind of worse than, you know, firing a good chunk of your security team, right? I'm not knocking their efforts. I think they're doing beautiful things. And of course they rely on code from other projects, other browser projects, but uh, you know, I, I do, I do worry about that, but I'll t here. So here, here's, here's my proposition. I think duck, duck, go. Cause they already have their, I mean, yes, they're chromium based and I don't want everything to be chromium based. Of course, you know that we don't like monoculture here on sovereign tech. Um, I think DuckDuckGo could jump on a browser, a desktop browser, and then link it. I mean, if they wanted to, and, and there's ways to go about this. I mean, Firefox did it previously with sync. Uh, there's ways to have those work between, you know, mobile and desktop if they, if they want that to be an option, but it should be something that you opt into and so on. Uh, not opt out of, but DuckDuckGo is about the only company I can think of right now that could somehow lead the charge and fill in the gap that I feel like Mozilla is leaving with their, with their dramatic change in, in focus uh, structure and, and yeah, you know, and, and, and what they are either doing with Firefox or frankly, not sadly. So, yeah, be very wary. Um, I, as it stands, based on the intel I've got, I would start, and I don't mean processors, <laughs> I would start migrating away from Firefox. I can't believe I'm saying that because I figured this is the company that basically the rest of the tech world just always wanted to have out there because, you know, we need open source and they recognize that. Um, but, you know, maybe that's not, maybe that's not the direction that, things will end up going and Mozilla is basically kowtowing to the almighty dollar. Anyway, check out Vivaldi and who knows, maybe DuckDuckGo will, again, will you know, pick up the torch and run with it on this one. I'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. Woo! watch Sequest by downloading it from your favorite torrent site or getting it on glorious DVD. For beneath the surface lies the future. Your questions, the man of tomorrow's answers. 
Email questions at SovereignTech.com Time for important messages. So, I got an email from a listener. And I know that people also raised the alarm on this in the Sovereign Tech Polytechnic Telegram group, which if you want to join that, all you got to do is have Telegram installed and you just click on the link in the show notes for Telegram and boom, you're in. Um, There is a bot there that is a bit of a gatekeeper to make sure that you're actually a Sovereign Tech listener, but it's a question to get through and you'll be good. Um. In fact, in the Telegram group, there have been a lot of people that have started joining, like that have been clicking on a link, joining the Telegram group who are pretty clearly, I mean, they've been running scams basically. Now, while Sovereign Tech is a show that for almost 10 years has been talking about Bitcoin and blockchain tech, uh, you know, both praising and criticizing where necessary. We love Bitcoin. No questions there. Um, And I mean, Bitcoin, like, you know, BTC. BTC. We like Bitcoin. Okay. Um, it is odd that somehow suddenly all of these people were coming into the group that, and that's why we had to put the bot in place and a special thank you to a great listener. You know who you are. Um, we had to put a bot in place to basically stop these bots or, you know, these accounts from running uh, crypto scams in the group. And I think I've come to realize where they're all coming from and why they've started to show up. And I'm going to read this email. Okay. Um, but I will say, oh no, let, let's, let's read the email. Then we'll go into it. And this is from just a top notch listener. Love this guy. Hey, Brian, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but have you seen this? You might want to consider distancing or distinguishing yourself. And he left a link there, which is sovereign.app. That is the, uh, that is the, the URL that he shared. Now, like I said, other people in the telegram group also shared this with me. Uh, and it is spelled much like my last name, S O V R Y N. It's not sovereign as in like sovereignty, but it's S O V R Y N, which by the way, um, like I'm, you know, other than Brian sovereign and Ellen sovereign, like we're the only people with that name. That is something that is unique more or less unique to the show. I think maybe some people in Australia had the name or something like that. Uh, but in the Bitcoin space as somebody who is, I've been, I've attended many conferences. I've been, I've spoken at many conferences. I have been requested to appear to speak at blockchain Bitcoin conferences. Okay. I am a known quantity in the Bitcoin slash blockchain space. So, the term sovereign being used for this sovereign app, did they come up with it on their own? No. (laughs) Am I associated with what this is? No, not at all. Never have been. Um, Let's, let's read on a bit here with the, with the email it claims. So this is an app that is coming soon, by the way, that's why it's sovereign.app, but let, let's keep reading. It claims to be composed of things you and I greatly dislike smart contracts, Yep. Uh, Oracles insurance for years. I've been meaning to ask you about a very old tweet against life insurance that I remember you making perhaps mistaken memory of mine, by the way. Um, no, ask me the question, man, <laughs> like email me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I am kind of critical of insurance, 
but uh, it would fit in with uh, the conversation around the Halo app. So, or, or the Halo, the Amazon Halo. So ask away. Um, to top, of course, I deleted all my tweets, so I guess I can't remember which one it was, but let's keep going. To top it off, I knew it couldn't be a project of yours. This is from the listener. To top it off, I knew it couldn't be a project of yours since, one, the webpage signed, shines bright white. <laughs> no triple black to be found. Uh, yes, you're right. I, I make it a point for my websites to be as dark as possible. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, everybody knows I am the man in triple black. Uh, I mean, anyway, right down to the undies. Uh, no, <laughs> number two, uh, at the bottom, uh, they promote governance tokens. Jesus fucking Christ. That's what, that's what the emailer said. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be behind that because, of course, I'm an anarchist. Um, going on, if it's not a scam or vaporware, it might have interesting features. Seems to be Bitcoin only. Awesome. Supposedly open source. Someday. Neato triangular logo. Yeah, that is neato. Of course, that's also like triangle or the pyramid is also part of uh, Sovereign Tech's um, symbology, I guess you could say. Iconography. Uh, awesome name, but I dislike non-originality of them, assuming they are unrelated to you. Yeah, they are totally unrelated to me. I have nothing to do. I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to these people. I don't know if I ever reached out to them, uh, as a, as a sponsor of any kind. Now, I mean, I looked into their Twitter account, so their, their Twitter account was apparently created in August of 2020. So this is really, really new and kind of came out of nowhere. But I thought there was a, an exchange called Sovereign that had been around for a little while, like someone, but I, I think it didn't have the Y in it. Like it was just S-O-V-R-N, which I, I mentioned them in the past and I said, it's like, I think somebody's copying me here. Anyway, uh, a part of me wonders because this Sovereign app also has a Telegram group. And if somehow we got conflated and that's why a bunch of uh, crypto scammers, crypto is not a scam, but there are scammers in the space, plenty of them, uh, that jumped in. Now, look, there's the chance that somehow the person who made the Sovereign app, I mean, if you look at their, you know, if you look at their site, uh, your keys, your control, I mean, I don't know what they mean by governance tokens, you know, maybe they're trying to be on the level. I mean, they really have like this praise of Satoshi. They're like, you know, this is the, this is the, the exchange that Satoshi would use and so on. Um, and they're definitely, you know, they're, they're, they're using, they're, there's parts of it that I don't exactly get, like join the mutant army and whatever that I wouldn't exactly be behind. Maybe they think, I, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't really care. Like if, if they want to use my name, uh, I, you know, again, I'm an anarchist. I don't believe in IP, so I'm not going to go after them with an IP. I mean, yeah, they have a triangle logo. In fact, it looks like the Superman symbol. Well, you know, not unironically a, um, for years, people in the crypto space have regularly equated, uh, the Superman symbol with me. Like, I mean, they've told me that hell I've had little kids say, yeah, I, you know, that, that they were, they're wearing Superman shirts, like at a conference. And the little kid said, no, this doesn't mean Superman. This means Brian Sovereign. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying that, like, you know, this, all of this, all of these logos and all this icono iconography and everything in um, language, I guess we could say, has been associated with me for a very long time. I mean, look at the, you know, like the Zomia one or Sovereign or classic Sovereign Tech logo. It looks, it's not the Superman symbol but it looks a lot like it, right? It's that diamond shape and whatever. So I could guess, and, and I hate this. And I know the, you know, if, if the emailer was 
just about anyone else other than the person who emailed me, I would think this was somebody trying to get some free advertising out of me by letting people know that this thing exists. Okay. Um, I don't know anything about the developers here. Uh, their Twitter account, I mean, has not that that necessarily means anything, but I mean, it really has practically no followers. Um, you know, there's not a product yet. Um, they're, I guess they're, they're trying to get people in on, um, on early access and everything. I have, I have no association with this. Um, if they want to reach out to me and somehow get me associated, I mean, if they know anything about me, my standards are ridiculously stringent. Um, it takes a lot to please me, especially when it comes to crypto especially when it comes to Bitcoin. I agree. It's great that they're Bitcoin only. I, I totally applaud that. Um, I, there's things here though, that I feel like at first blush, I, I wouldn't agree with, uh, but I don't know what they're doing. I mean, the only thing I can say is this, these kinds of things come and go, come and go. I have seen so many exchanges come and go that claiming they were doing this and that some that were on the level, some they were trying to be underground, you know, whatever. And when I say on the level, I mean like on the state level, which is disgusting, but whatever, uh, you know, they, they come and they go and they've been coming and going for a decade now, but you know, what's still here. Sovereign tech still here. I will not, I don't need to lay claim to my name because this show does it on its own every week. The thousands and thousands, practically 20,000 listeners per week are the credit to what's going to last and to what people, you know, associate the term with. So do please do not think that I have anything to do with this company. If I ever do, I will tell you, but they're going to have to show, I mean, again, they'd have to show me a lot. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm ever going to bother reviewing it. They'd have to show me a lot of what they're doing and convince me. And then also they have to show me that they believe in this show. And there are specific ways of going about that if they want, you know, me to be associated with it. Um, I mean, there's a part of me that kind of wants to go after them on Twitter and just say, and you know, any of my listeners are welcome to do this if you want, you know, and just say, it's like, wow, how unoriginal of you to go with the name sovereign. And, and I mean, certainly on their website, they give me no credit, you know, for that. And again, sovereign is an original to the show. I mean, S O V R Y N. I mean, that's just, it's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a chosen one, but it is my name. It's my name more than any name I've ever had. So that's really all I can, I can say on it. Uh, There's, there's things that I like, there's things that I don't like, but it is not me. I have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with sovereign.app. They have not talked to me. They have not reached out to me. I don't know what they're doing. Um, Maybe they're getting their ducks in a row before they were about to reach out to me. Maybe they can explain themselves, whatever. But I mean, if they want to, you know, go out there and try to pretend to be this and that, uh, I guess ultimately maybe I'm honored because you've associated the name sovereign with, uh, you know, concepts that Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever she is laid out. And what Bitcoin can do for the world and all this, I mean, I'm honored that you, that you put that in, or, you know, that, that you see sovereign tech as part of that league that you see that, you know, that term is part of that, that that's fantastic, I guess, but please folks do not associate this with me. Um, and if it's, 
you know, I don't know how I can make that abundantly clear. Maybe I will have to do a tweet to make that abundantly clear, but I've already been giving it way more talking about it way more than, than necessary. Uh, <laughs> and, and then it, then perhaps it deserves, especially since it doesn't exist right now. And I sure as fuck don't trust things that don't exist. That's a, that's a hard earned lesson in the crypto space because we've been made, you know, crypto enthusiasts, blockchain enthusiasts, Bitcoin enthusiasts, uh, Bitcoin believers, if you want to go that far, we've been given a lot of promises over the years. Bitcoin's the only one that is trudged through the hype. Okay. Um, but that's only the technology, you know, that's not the exchanges. That's not any of the other horseshit around it. So we know not to trust stuff that isn't, you know, isn't out there and for us to inspect and to jump on. Okay. But again, to make it abundantly clear, no, I have nothing to do with this. I love Bitcoin. I support Bitcoin and I am on the, you know, the team of, Hey, you know, you want to be Bitcoin only, you know, I, I, I get where you're coming from because again, we've been made a lot of empty promises. I have no idea what this is. All right. Um, and there you have it. So let's move on. I'll be right back with more sovereign tech. Hello, Sovereignati. As you know, Sovereign Tech proudly no longer puts content behind a paywall and makes thousands of hours and episodes available to you totally for free. But if you feel that stirring in your cockles or that special feeling in your heart, I beseech you, nay, I implore you to help the show out by donating. Frequenting our sponsors is key, but donations from listeners like you has always made the show go round and round. You can go to SovereignTech.com to set up an automatic monthly donation, or you can donate via the Bitcoin address in the show notes. And now you can even donate with the Cash app at cash.app and use the money tag Sovereign Tech. So many ways to help out the show, and I'm honored by all of it, allowing us to build and be the future. Now, let's get back to the show. Now entering the gaming grid. The latest gaming news, reviews, and retro culture, as only the man of tomorrow can deliver. And here is your host, Brian Sovereign. Time for the gaming grid. I wish we were getting into more good news. I mean, hey, we're going to get Pikmin 3. That's that's awesome. Um, and earlier. All right, I'll make I'll give you a little bit of good news. So that game Hypnospace, I, I keep forgetting the last the last uh, or the second word in the name. But that game for Switch that just came out. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm going to look it up. Let's type in Hypnospace. I even like now talk about a name that I like. I like that. But oh, Hypnospace Outlaw. What a great name. Anyway, it's an internet simulation, this game. Um, I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Uh, but what's really cool about it is that, and I hope this has broader ramifications, is that Nintendo specifically asked the developers of Hypnospace Outlaw. Now, this is available on more than Switch. It's on GOG. It's on, uh, you know, Steam. It's, it's all over the place. I'm pretty sure it's on, might even be on uh yeah, actually, they even put it on uh, itch.io, which I appreciate. That's where my video games are. 
Anyway, um, Nintendo reached out to the developers and said, we would love it if you included mouse and keyboard support in the game for the Switch. Now, what's revolutionary about that is that, of course, the front, if you know, the dock for the Switch, and I don't think that this would work on a Switch Lite um, with Bluetooth, but on the dock for the Switch, it has a it has two front USB ports. So you could plug in a USB mouse and a USB keyboard and this internet simulation game, which I'll review in the future, uh, you know, it lets you use the mouse and keyboard just as you would in the 1990s. The game's supposed to take place like in the 1990s internet or on the 1990s internet, which is great in and of itself, right? I love that. Um, but if this keyboard and mouse support could get expanded to first-person shooters on the Switch, oh, baby. <laughs> I mean, the switch just did a major one-upsmanship on the PS4 and, or, you know, on the PlayStation and Xbox. Let's just say that. Cause I know future generations are coming fast. That's a big deal. Uh, I, I mean, I would love it. Like, I mean, because they keep it like the doom. Okay. Um, Bethesda keeps adding in new features to the classic doom and doom Two. Uh, like, you know, new uh, packs that you can download to it totally for free uh, that are based on wads. Right. And if they would add in keyboard and mouse support, that'd be phenomenal. Again, it'd be one thing if, well, the, you know, the developer for Hypnospace Outlaw, they kind of figured out how to, you know, how, how to weasel that feature in onto a switch. But no, Nintendo, apparently, according to the developer, Nintendo reached out to them and said, you should put this in. Now, where do, where can this go? I think the obvious thing that people are looking at is this means we could get a sequel to Mario Paint. I'm not kidding. And, I, and you know what? I think that's great. Do it. <laughs> do Mario Paint Switch. I think that would sell gangbusters. Um, and, and it could be, you know, frankly, revolutionary once again, because it certainly was when it came out in the 90s for the SNES. So I think that's exciting that if you want good news, there's your good news. Now, not so good news or news that doesn't really uh, impress me, but you got to let me say my piece here because I have a sinking feeling about this. Okay. Let's uh, let's this, the story I've linked to is from Nintendo life and it's golden eye 25 shuts down after cease and desist from 007 IP holder. Let's read the story here a little bit. GoldenEye 25, a fan-made effort to resurrect the classic N64 shooter from Rare, is to shut down following a cease and desist request from NGM slash Danjok, the rights holder for the James Bond media franchise. So, Stallion breaking in here for a second. If you're wondering, how could a game as popular as GoldenEye for the N64, how, how come that does not get re-released or put on Nintendo Switch Online or whatever? Well, it's because MGM won't fucking let it. That, that's it, folks. That, that, that's the answer, or at least that's a big part of the answer. Anyway, the aim with the Unreal Engine 4 title, so this is going to be a remake done by supposedly, uh, keyword, supposedly, fans in, using the Unreal uh, Engine 4, uh, which was inspired by the canceled uh, XBLA HD remake, was to recreate the legendary FPS in time for its 25th birthday in August 2022. The update would enhance the single-player story missions, add modern visuals, and even factor in a few gameplay tweaks. And here's the announcement from uh, from the developers for this. 
Dear fans and followers, we're sad to announce that we've been kindly asked by the IP holder to cease development of GoldenEye 25. This was always in the back of our heads as a possibility, but we've tried our best to keep going. Of course, we will comply and want to thank you for your ongoing support. What do you mean you want to comply? Why? Anyway, it doesn't matter. We cannot do a Bond game, but we can still do a great... See, here, here's the key paragraph that I have a problem with. We cannot do a Bond game, but we can still do a great game with all the beloved aspects of our favorite 90s action shooter. Which, by the way, Stanley Breaking in, Ellen keeps kicking my ass at. <laughs> I love it. She's so good. Uh, if you are still interested reading on, if you are still interested in following us, please come over to Project Ianus. It's I-A-N-U-S. Okay. Where we will share development of our new game. This account will be deleted by Friday at the latest. Now, I'm surprised I didn't just rename the account, but I have a real problem with this. Uh, and and here's, here's where I, what I feel like is going on in this case. And if not in this case, it'll happen with others. Now there have been um, like, what, what was it? Was it not AM2, AMR2, which was, was it another Metroid remake? Uh, or another Metroid 2 remake, maybe it was AM2R or whatever. Anyway, that was great. I think that was genuinely done by a fan who just wanted to have a modern version of Metroid 2 to come out. Of course, Samus Returns had come out for the 3DS in pretty short order. It's understandable and certainly is not out of place for Nintendo to shut people down. Um, you know, when they try making things like that, there was the uranium version of Pokemon which was awesome. By the way, all of these games you can still play. You can still play the Uranium version of Pokemon. You can still play AM2R. You can still play, you know, a lot of these games that were designed to be remakes or expansions of classic Nintendo titles or franchises. Nintendo shuts them down right away. Everybody expects that. We know it's only a matter of time whenever somebody's developing this sort of thing. And usually they shut them down and then that is the end of it. Nobody tries to, none of those that I mentioned previously, minus GoldenEye 25, has taken their project and just said, okay, now I'm going to turn this into a different game because I just, I can't use this IP, right? Like the IP of James Bond. Here's my problem. As much, and I, and I talked about this on a recent gaming grid, as much as I despise the term spiritual successor, I, I mean, I fucking hate that word because you know that, you know, all that is that's marketing. We're making the, the spiritual successor to Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger or whatever, or we're making the spiritual successor to Breath of Fire. Basically that's, the, they're not really making a sequel to Breath of Fire. They are using the marketing term of a franchise that you know, or using the marketing tactic of a franchise that you know, and associating it with what they're doing. And, you know, hoping that that will draw in an audience, say, you know, longtime fans of the Breath, and F Breath of Fire franchise. Now, there are some cases, like there, there was a game recently that came out for PlayStation, and I think Xbox, that even though it's not a, um, oh fuck. What, what was, what was the franchise? Oh, it was a siphon filter. Okay. So even though it's not a siphon filter game in name, there are a bunch of things in the game right down to the taser and more that make it abundantly clear. And the storyline, even I think there's even like documents somewhere in the game that mention siphon filter. So they really went all the way to make the game a, part of the siphon filter universe 
but getting away with it, not using the name siphon filter in the title. Right. And they're basically reliant upon fans to, you know, I mean, that's the right way you can do that if you want to do, but then it's not really a spiritual successor at that point. Right. Like at, at that stage, it's, it's actually a sequel, you know, even if they can't put siphon filter on the box, everything within the game makes it abundantly clear. That's a siphon filter sequel. And I think that that's great, but there's a lot of games that no, they're, they're, they're creating their own universes. It has nothing to do with the universe that they claim they are a spiritual successor to. And they're just using that as a complete marketing tactic. Now, the next marketing tactic that I think is happening in gaming and, and I just despise it is this what's happening right here. So they basically this, this, this group of people, and it's a long game to play. That's for sure. But again, if your game gets popular enough, Selling enough copies of one game can set you for life or at the very least can get you on the path to make sequels. And then you are somewhat set for life again. Um, I could believe that these developers are like, well, yeah, okay. We can't use this IP, but Hey, we're still making a great game. And I could imagine, you know, dev houses pulling this tactic where they know that Nintendo EA MGM, whoever is going to shut them down, but they'll have built up enough hype within the longstanding fan community of whatever franchise to, you know, to, to where they, they have a, an install base. Do you get what I'm saying? And I, I think just, just something about that. I mean, it, it, it just rubs me the wrong way, right? Because it's a bait and switch. No pun intended to the Nintendo switch. It's a bait and switch. They know they're going to get shut down. Like they just know it and they want to get popular enough. Right? So they know they're going to get shut down. They do it anyway. And they do it anyway because it's going to get them free press. And then they still have a game that they just have to change a few things into or change a few things. And then they can release that, you know, out, out to the public. And this has even happened with games that were being done by very reputable, quote unquote, reputable, uh, uh, game developers, dev houses, where they had to switch at the, you know, switch the, the IP at the last minute, or, you know, you could have games like super Mario brothers two, where originally it was not a Mario game, right. And it turned into something else or star Fox adventures where this sort of thing happens. But now I feel like it's a way of, getting some signal out through the noise. And these people know they're never going to be able to release a finished game based upon the franchise that they're getting everybody hyped about. But it's just a way to try and like get some attention and sell their game. And you could say that that's clever, but frankly, I think it's dishonest, incredibly dishonest and nasty because and you know, and is there no harm, no foul? I didn't put any money down and I can just say, well, you're not making GoldenEye, So I don't fucking care anymore. Sure. Because that's exactly what I said. As soon as I read that story, I don't give a shit. If you're not making GoldenEye, I, I don't care what new game you're making. It doesn't mean anything to me, but I still, I don't like how they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're just lying because they're saying, Oh, we're so innocent. Oh, poor us. We got our IP taken away or, you know, we're not allowed to develop for this IP, but oh, we got a great game coming. And I just, I, I think that's bullshit and I find it annoying. Or another thing they might be trying to do is this could be a roundabout way of them trying to get hired. Uh, for example, like the developer who I think was doing it genuinely out of passion because you can play it, you can feel it in the game. Uh, the developer for like Sonic Mania, which is widely regarded the, the best modern Sonic game just by a long shot. 
was originally just, a, it was a fan project being developed. And then Sega saw it and said, well, hey, let's hire this guy and let's let him finish his game. That's, I mean, kudos to Sega for that. And I think it's a beautiful story for that developer, you know, to, to, to get that. But now I feel like there are going to be a lot of people who are going to do this. They're going to develop fan projects and they're going to use it to weasel their way into these, into their companies, you know, and maybe try to end up getting hired by them is, is that okay? Yeah. I mean, whatever ultimately, but I just don't like that the, that I feel like the intention of a lot of these quote unquote fan projects is, is to pull a bait and switch. And they do that from the beginning. They know that that's what's going to happen. And I just think you should be wary of that. You know, that, 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 that can end up happening. And I just, I don't like the dishonesty, you know? And, and I, I think I'm also at the same time, I'm putting out the warning. I know what you're doing. I know what you're pulling. I am not, I mean, and you know what the real answer to this is until there's a finished product in front of you, just fuck it. You know, I mean, and, and look, there's some great stuff. I mean, like there's great things being developed in Star Wars. There's tremendous games being developed uh, that, that Rob and I have covered on TIE Fighter Renegades that are being developed that I'm very excited for. But like, I am always going to walk softly until I have a finished Xy on, you know, or, or whatever, Tarball, whatever, you know, on my desktop. Because I'm just, I'm not going to go for the roller coaster with these people and I'm not going to fall prey to their tricks. And I'm not saying any of the Star Wars ones. I think those are, I mean, Star Wars is such a unique fandom. Those, those are people that really give a shit. Okay. But a lot of these other guys, I, I don't fucking trust them. I don't trust them. So anyway, <laughs> you know what you can trust? You can trust yourself. You can trust Sovereign Tech. Everything else. Well, use your discretion on what you want to do. About it. <laughs> anyway, that'll be it for this episode of Sovereign Tech. We'll wrap this one up and uh, have another episode out shortly. And actually, if you want other gaming episodes, I've got a lot of specials uh, set to come out covering a lot of classic gaming uh, where, you know, you don't get duped and screwed and, and bait and switched. Uh, anyway, listen out for that. I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Thank you for listening to Sovereign Tech, an Osiris One production. Now go out there and make some trouble. Hey, baby, I know, I know you are tired of Gmail. You have had enough. Well, I have a solution for you. What I want you to do is you go to Fastmail, okay? It's fastmail.sovereigntech.com. That's the URL you can use. You're going to get a discount with that. You are going to love this. This is email for email's sake. This company does nothing more. Just email and they do it right. All the latest security technologies you want to log into your account with your YubiKey, you can do that. Fastmail has your hookup. Very inexpensive plans. I want you to check it out. You go to fastmail.sovereigntech.com. That'll get you the hookup and it's an honor to have them as a part of Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show.